Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Leviticus chapter 6. The Bible says, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, and this is what he said, Command Aaron. Aaron was Moses' brother. The Lord told Moses to command your brother Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. It is the burnt offering because of the burning upon the altar all night unto the morning. And the fire of the altar shall be burning in it. The priest shall put on his linen garments, and his linen breeches shall he put upon his flesh, and take up the ashes which the fire hath consumed with the burnt offering on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar. And he shall put off his garments and put on other garments and carry forth the ashes without the camp unto a clean place. And the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order upon it. And he shall burn thereon the fat of the peace offerings. Verse 13 is one final instruction. The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. I just want to preach to you a, a, a very simple message, but I think it's, it may speak profoundly to some here today. Chopping wood. Chopping wood is the title of the message today. Chopping wood. You may be seated. I know without any doubt there's at least one of us here today in our congregation who preceded me today at this pulpit who enjoys the drop in temperatures. <laughs> Brother Jones has um, made it very apparent to us that uh, he is a fan of of colder temperatures, colder weather. And uh, I must be honest with you, even though there are some things about summer that I enjoy, I feel my personal best when cool weather hits. Um, I don't take the heat like I used to. I don't know what has happened over the years. Maybe I've just become soft. I'm not sure. Uh, age has crept up on me, but I, I do not handle the heat the way that I used to handle the heat. But there's something about when cool weather comes in and that north breeze begins to blow and the, the thermometer begins to drop, when I step outside, I, I kind of come alive. I have more energy. I feel more awake. Uh, I just enjoy working outside when it's, when it's cooler. I always enjoyed when I still work for FedEx when the, when the temperature dropped for, for multiple reasons. And I got up this morning and, and uh, asked uh, ask, our, our little Google thing that we have in our, in, in, in our living room. Hey, Google. And uh, hopefully I didn't turn anybody's phones on when I said that just now. Uh, uh, what is the temperature outside? Because I was kind of curious. You know, you're inside your nice seven-degree home, and you're looking out the windows. The sun is shining, you know. Uh, you might feel thrown on a, a T-shirt or whatever and going out and checking the mail or going outside. You need to know what, what the temperature, especially in this area that we live in. We can experience all four seasons in one day uh, practically around here. You have summer, fall, winter, and spring all wrapped up in, in just a day or two. 
but I asked Google what it was, and it, it came back to me and said, it's 32 degrees outside. And I said, ooh, <laughs> it has dropped. And I looked out the windows of our front door and our back door, and I saw how in the, our backyard, our, our poor flowers, the beautiful flowers that we had there just a few short weeks ago are not so beautiful anymore. The hanging pots, uh, the flowers that are in the pots are now, the flowers are hanging just like the pots are. They're drooped all over the sides of the pots, and no longer are they perky and bright and, and, and uh, saying good morning with their, with their uh, friendly faces and the, the bright colors, but they are now dead and gone. I imagine that even for the most uh, diehards amongst us that that uh, you have probably reached over and flipped that little switch on your thermostat from from cool to to heat, right? I mean, is there anybody is there anybody that has not turned your heat on yet? And I'm not talking about you your fireplace people. Okay, we've got one. We've got one that is a holdout. I mean, uh, she's not she's not giving in. She's going she's gonna to wait, but that's only one in a house full of people. For the most of us, we have turned our heat on, you know, and, and got a little warmth going on, on in the house. I don't like to wake up and see my breath in the morning. That's just not, that's just not uh, helpful for, for me by any, in, in any way, shape, or form. And, and even I noticed the other day as I was headed through town that even the guy on St. Louis Avenue over here, some of you may even... Uh, buy some produce from him. He has this massive garden right there in town. But I went by there the other day, and his garden is all is all bare, and it's just he's he's leveled it all out again and cleaned it all out. And he was he was out there. He was clipping down his tomato plants that were dead and brown, and and pulling them out of the ground and tossing them all away, all in preparation for next year's planting season. There's a lot of things that that I enjoy about uh, cold weather, but, but I, I must admit, and I think most of you would probably agree with me, that one of the most pleasurable parts of this time of year is to build a fire. Some of you have fireplaces, maybe wood-burning furnaces in your home. You take that, that chunk of wood and you begin to build a fire and Set back and just enjoy it. For those of you that don't have one, you can download the app and put a fake fire on your on your screen at home if you want to. Yeah. We've got a couple of uh, fireplaces, actually three fireplaces in our house. Now, before you think, "Ooh, he he man," three fireplaces are all electric. We can put a little heat on if we want to, but but I even enjoy, uh, you know, just the looks of that fire in that electric fireplace. But but when things start to get cold, there's a little switch on there that my wife has been turning on every once in a while, and she flipped that little switch, and, and that living room gets extra heat because there's an element inside of that fake fireplace that begins to produce some heat. And I just really, really enjoy those things, but there is still nothing like the real thing. I, I've always enjoyed a, a real fire. Something about a fire that brings a feeling of security and peace. Even our dear brother Jones was talking about how he just about destroyed himself camping out, uh, uh, you know, when he was a kid because he got his tents too close to the fire. Why did he do that? He did that because he felt safer close to the fire. There's something about fire that brings a sense of security, a sense of peace. It's hard to explain. It just is. 
people are drawn to a fire. But no more are they ever drawn to a fire more than when the environment in which they are in is one that is cold and dark. Now, in a scripture text today, Moses, Moses has built the, the altar. But God was the one who originated the fire. He started the fire in that altar. Fire played an integral role in the Old Testament tabernacle, which we know is a type of the New Testament salvation plan. Amen. And so in our text today, the Lord is speaking to Moses, and he's giving Moses some commands, and he gives Moses instructions concerning the altar uh, because this is an important place. This altar is where the atonement is going to take place. A sacrifice is going to be brought. A person that brings that sacrifice is going to bring that sacrifice because he is coming with sin in his life that he wants removed from his life. And in order for that sin to be removed from his life, he must bring a sacrifice to the altar. There was a procedure, there was a command by God that was to be followed if atonement for sin was to be made. There is still procedure in this day and hour in which we live. I know there's a thousand different belief systems out there that will try to tell you that there are many ways to get to heaven. But the Bible says, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Any man that tried to come any other way is no better than a thief and a robber. There is still procedure. There is still protocol. There is still a method of salvation that we are to follow. things going on here that were very important with this altar, care that had to be taken. But as you read through these verses, you will see a recurring theme that is not accidental, uh, accidental but, but very purposeful. Let me walk you through this a little bit. Verse 9, the Lord tells Moses, command Aaron and his son, saying, this is the law of the burnt offering. Now, if you know anything about the law, the law was to be followed. You break the law, you're in trouble, right? If you get caught, you're in trouble. That's why we want to obey the law. We don't want to get in trouble with the law. But God's law is very specific. And this is what it said. This is the law of the burnt offering. It is the burnt offering because of the burning upon the altar all night unto the morning, and the fire of the altar shall be burning in it. So, it just makes sense to me that if you are going to have a burnt offering, that there must be a fire to burn that offering, right? If you are going to fry up a hamburger, you might want to turn the flame on. Some of you looking at your wife saying, I know what the burnt offering tastes like. I mean, Supper last night, we sacrificed something. I'm not quite sure what it was. In order for God to receive an offering 
that was a burnt offering. There had to be a fire. God made sure by placing that fire there himself that there would be a fire to consume the offering, the sacrifice that was laid upon that altar. So then it goes through a, a, a list of different things. The priest had to come in dressed a certain way. He couldn't come in dressed like he was heading out to Walmart in his tie-dyed T-shirt and his PJs on. No, he had to dress a certain way because he was going in to a holy place before a holy God. I still believe that we ought to come into the house of God with great respect, honoring the one who gave his life for us on Calvary's cross. Amen. He deserves more than the little that we can give him. He deserves our very best, whatever your best is. Priest came in clothed a certain way. The instructions were after the sacrifice is done, the priest should take the ashes, remove the ashes from the sacrifice, lay them beside the altar, and then the priest was to go and change out of the robe that he was in, putting on a different set of clothing. Then he came back and picked up the ashes and removed them to a different place. He took the ashes away. Now, by the way, while you're doing that, make sure the fire doesn't go out. The fire has to burn continually. It is of the utmost important that there always be a fire going in the altar. And the Bible says, and the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order upon it. And he shall burn thereon the fat of the peace offerings. The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. God said, I'm going to give you a fire that you didn't make yourself. I'm going to give you a fire that I created. I'm going to give you a fire that I placed upon that altar, but it is going to be your responsibility to make sure that that fire never ceases to exist, uh, never ceases to exist. It's going to be your responsibility to make sure that that fire remains burning all the time. Don't just turn this fire on and off when you, when you please. That's the one thing I like about the fake fire. At, at our house in the electric fireplaces, I get up. I can remember back when we lived out in the country and we had a fireplace and a wood-burning furnace both. And, and at the end of the night, it was always pleasant to have that fireplace going. But at the end of the night, we didn't just walk away and say, oh, it's time to put the kids to bed. Let's go to bed. What are you going to do about the fire? Well, it'll take care of itself. It'll, no, you had to go make sure that thing was put out, right? You don't play around with that thing. No, you made sure. But in this, in this electric age where we have fake fire, then we can just go up and when we're tired, we just go up and we click the little switch and off to bed we go. The heat turns off. The ambiance goes away and we can come back tomorrow and flip the switch right back on if we want to. But this fire was not to go out. It wasn't something you flipped the switch when you wanted it and you flipped the switch when you didn't want it. This fire was to continually burn and always exist. But God that's going to take work. That's going to take effort. 
everything else you've got me doing. I've got to worry about changing my clothes here. I've got to take the ashes off. We've got to put new sacrifices on. We've got to put more wood on. There's a lot of stuff going on here. You know, I've got to keep an eye on it all the time. The ashes build up and then got to be removed. And the wood that it takes to keep a fire going like this, God, do you know how much work that's going to take? Yes. Yes, I do. Some of you will relate. Growing up, we had both a fireplace and a wood-burning furnace in our house. And I know Austin is here today, and Brother Blake, they're here today. They remember the house. My wife, she remembers the house, the wood-burning furnace down in the basement, the fireplace that Dad finally changed out, and they put an insert in that, that Mom never liked. He, she didn't like that until the day they moved out. I've got to admit, the fireplace, the open fire was a lot cooler, but Dad looked at that, and he said, no, it's still real fire, but it only had a window on it about like this. Like, not much ambiance there, Dad. You got this great big mantle and stone fireplace that you built, and you got this, this thing that you put inside there with, a, you know, but he, he, he understood it was safer. You didn't have to worry about it, and, and it was more efficient. But in order to use that, there was some work that had to go into preparing for wintertime. Now, I, I have a lot of great memories with my dad, but one of those great memories was, was when we would go down into the, the bottom land back behind my grandparents' uh, farm, and, and it would flood out a lot of times, and a lot of those trees got flooded at, at a certain point, and they would die, and we would always go down there and see which ones had died, and there was a lot of ash trees down there which were great for firewood. They were nice and straight, and, and we would go down there and fell those trees, and, and after we fell them, then we'd hook up the tractor, and we'd drag the tree out to a, a little bit of a, of a, a clearing space, and, and we would go to town on cutting those trees up in bite-sized chunks. And, and then uh, when that was done, we would have to split all that wood. Now, I remember mostly that we had a really nice log splitter, but I also remember the years before the log splitter came. I don't know if you realize this, but log splitters have not been around forever. There was a time when you had to pick up an axe or a maul. We used to call the big, almost like a sledgehammer on one end that came down to a point on the other end, and it had an extra weight to it. If you couldn't get it with the axe, maybe you, you got the maul, and you'd get the maul uh, two or three swipes, and then it'd get stuck in there, and you had to take out a, a wedge, and you'd take the wedge and, and the sledgehammer, and you'd drive the wedge down so you'd get the maul out, and you try to pop that open. I can remember being with my dad and, and sweating and, and thinking, this is a waste of time. I'm out here sweating. It's hot. What are we doing this for? But dad understood something that in my immature mind couldn't comprehend. Winter was coming. There was coming a time where we were going to need a fire, and that fire was going to give us warmth. That fire was going to heat our house. That fire was going to keep us from freezing. Not to mention save a little money on the heating bill. It was Denny Rice we're talking about here after all. In our house, there was always, if you went down into the basement, my dad built this room around the old wood-burning furnace down there, and it had a window in it, a basement window that we would always pop out, and we would bring loads of wood in in the back of a truck and back that time. I always dreaded this because I said, this is such a, a pain, you know. And 
We have to take that out. We'd already just loaded it on. Now we're having to unload it and chuck it through that window into a pile in the basement. And then there were times when early on, Dad finally got tired of doing that. He'd make us go down there and stack it along the wall so it looked nice and pretty. Uh, eventually, he was just like, just get it in there. You know, just, just I guess he got a little tired of, of working too, and we would have this, this pile of wood that we could go for two or three weeks on, maybe a month on. And then there was another pile of wood that was out, out back of the house that if reserves got low within the house, we could go out there and we could haul that wood in. And he made this, this, uh, this log-carrying thing out of a couple of cables that wrapped around. You could pile wood in it. And, click it together and haul two loads of wood over there uh, to the window and then unload it and throw it in the window and away we would go again and just work, 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 work all the time. I wasn't paying the bills. It didn't matter to me. See, long before the first breeze began to blow out of the north, my dad would Grab me, the old truck, the chainsaws. He would take us down there and we'd begin to chop that wood up into pieces that would fit into the furnace. It's hard work, at least I thought so. There's a lot of times when I wouldn't pay to go back and spend a day down on the bottom with a chainsaw in my hand. And not a day goes by that I don't wonder what it would be like to spend a little time working beside my dad, glean from his wisdom. See, at that time, it didn't matter much to me that we were chopping wood because it wasn't cold yet. Dad knew that we didn't do the work beforehand that it was coming a day we wish we would have. Here's my point. Nobody ever chopped wood for us. I don't ever remember somebody ever saying, hey, you boys go home, take the day off. I'm bored, got nothing to do. Why don't you let me chop all this wood for you? Never. I don't ever remember anybody chopping our wood but us. If we wanted the fire, we had to chop our own wood. Now that fire would burn and burn as long as we did our part to pull out the ashes and stoke it with more wood. Here's what I want you to understand today. No one else can keep your fire going for you. We come into this house of worship, and sometimes I know we're tired, and, and the, the cares of life weigh us down, and we've got worries, and we've got things that cause us stress, and we've got anxiety issues that, that we deal with. And I'm not talking about one or two of us. I, I'm saying this is across the board. Just about everybody in here, we have things that just, we feel the pressures, and we feel the responsibilities, and, and we come in here, it's easy for us to sometimes just lay back and, and say, you know what, I'm not really sure what's going to happen today, but I'm just 
just going to sit here and watch others chop wood. I'm just going to sit here and hope that somebody is willing to do a little bit of work so I can warm my hands at somebody else's fire. But I'm telling you today, you hear me right now. You listen to this old preacher preach to you. There's coming a day where you're going to need your own fire. You're not going to be able to depend upon somebody else's fire to warm you. You're not going to be able to depend on somebody else's relationship to get you to heaven. There's coming a day when you got to chop your own wood and throw it in your own fire and keep the fire of the Holy Ghost that God has given you flowing in your life. Our music come today. See, there's a lot of people who just want to step back and just complain about how cold it is. I don't really like that song. I'm not, I'm not talking about this church in particular. I'm just saying. I'm just saying in, in generalities here, you know it's true. Don't care for that song. Don't care for that preacher. I don't care for this. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too loud. I can't hear anything. It, uh, we, if we are looking for an excuse, you're going to find it. If you're looking for a reason to become cold, the ashes will build up. There's a reason that God said the ashes have to be taken out every morning from the previous sacrifice. Why? Because if you don't remove the ashes of the past sacrifice, if all you're ever depending upon is a sacrifice from yesterday, it's going to clog up your tomorrow and choke out your fire. You cannot live on yesterday's sacrifice. If you want the Holy Ghost in your life in a powerful way, you got to be willing to chop some wood. You can't just come and feel the presence of God that emanates from somebody else's relationship with Him. You've got to know him for yourself. <laughs> we tell and teach and preach about the story of David as the Ark of the Covenant is coming back in. The one who should have loved him, the one that was his wife, was standing in the window watching her husband, the, the king of Israel, as he's dancing before the Lord. She says, what a fool you are. Oh, how kingly you look today. David dances before the Lord, and we preach that. We sing about that dance, children, dance. This is your jubilee. I will dance like David danced. And, and we, we get up and, and we do these things and we worship the Lord. And, but, but, but the reality of it was, if you want to hear me just lay it out real simply, what I think David was doing, even though people were against him, even though his own wife was, was really hating what he was doing, he was chopping wood. He wasn't just dancing. He was chopping the wood. He said, you say what you want to, but I don't want to let this fire go out. I've already been in a cold place and I've got my fire back. I'm not ever going to let this fire go out in my life ever again. Right, right. i got to keep chopping wood. 
I gotta keep chopping wood. I gotta keep worshiping. He's done too much for me. I'm excited that his presence is coming back where it's always belonged in the first place. And maybe God has been removed from your life for a period of time. Let me tell you the way to get him back. Just start worshiping. Just start chopping wood. Just start heading in the right direction. Prepare yourself. The Holy Ghost is there and there is an ember in you. If there's anything in you, amen, there is an ember in you. God has not left you. God has never walked away from you. He's always been right there trying to fan that flame. And God just needs you to chop a little wood today. What am I going to do? Let me tell you, walking from that pew up to an altar is a difficult thing. But every time you take one step, you're chopping down another piece of wood. Every time you put one foot in front of the other, amen, you're swinging that axe again. And you're moving in the right direction for God to ignite the fire inside of you. You stand with me today. The excuses have to stop. All the reasons why you can't. Some of you need to remove some ashes because you can't see your future because you are so bent on looking at your past. You can't see the promises of God because you feel the judgment of people breathing down your neck. And God is just here today saying, I can start a fire. I can start a fire in you, but I can't keep it going. I'm not going to keep it going. That is your responsibility. He will give you the Holy Ghost. How can I say that? Because his word says that. It's to whomsoever will. And you are a whomsoever will. And if you've never received the Holy Ghost in your life, yeah, I can fill you with his spirit today. But you can walk out of here and quench that fire in a moment's time if you don't follow the protocol and the instruction that he has laid out for us there's an ember in you there's an ember in you that needs to be reignited there's some of you you've been on fire for years you, you've, you've taken what I've preached seriously long before I ever preached it but you've never expected somebody else to tend your fire for you. You've never looked around and said, well, this one's doing that or that one's doing this and because of that, I, I'm just going to quit and I'm going to walk out. I'm, I'm. You've never let somebody else's great relationship with God or lack thereof keep you from chopping your own wood. And there's another story. It's a sad story. A couple of Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, they thought they could take a shortcut. That's Dad and Uncle Moses. They tell us, the stories about how God started the fire and that fire's never gone out, but 
Every once in a while, I just like to sleep in on a weekend. Do we really, is it really all that important? The Bible says that they brought strange fire. Strange fire. They tried to concoct their own fire. And I see it all over our all over our world today. The spirit is no longer here. The fire of the Holy Ghost is no longer here. So we've turned our churches into entertainment venues. We got to do something to draw the crowd because the spirit is no longer amongst us. So we have to have something to offer. Strange fire. It may make you feel good. It may tickle ears. It may even tell you what you want to believe. But is what you want to believe the truth? Is it coming from the, the fire that God provided? Or is this a strange fire? And I'll tell you what happened. They both died. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the way of death. God help me if I have to stand before him one day and have even a single one of you stand and wave across the crowd, point your finger at me and say, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you preach the truth? Why didn't you, why didn't you hold the line? Why did you compromise? Why didn't you at least tell me I would have at least had a, a chance to make my own decision? I'm telling you today, this decision, your decision is not mine to make. I'm simply here as the middleman that's trying to convince you that there is coming a day when you're going to have to have the Holy Ghost in fire inside of your own life. You're going to have to have it in your own heart. You can't get to heaven because of my Holy Ghost or Grandma or Grandpa's Holy Ghost or mom or dad's Holy Ghost, you got to have your own Holy Ghost. you got to have your own fire, and that fire will bring you peace and a sense of security and warmth in a world that is cold and dark. It's the answer you've been looking for. I want you to come today. I want this church to gather in. If you're a little cold... I want you to walk up to this altar in faith today. Find a place to pray or stand and lift your hands however you choose. But the Lord is in this place today. Pastor, that's hard. Brother Rice, that's, that's difficult. You don't know where I've come from. I'm telling you, chop some wood. It's not always going to be easy. Sacrifice never is. But with every step you make towards God, you're building a pile of wood that can be consumed on the altar of sacrifice. Friend, today your life is the sacrifice, and it is one that the Lord says is reasonable. He's not asking you to sacrifice for you to lose anything. He's asking you to sacrifice so that you can gain everything. Thank you.
Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.